That one, year number four. It's a yank on the footy with Craig Wessels. Let's all sit back and enjoy a chat about the greatest game on the face of the earth. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and this is Craig Wessels from A Yank on the Footy, and we are live on Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. in Melbourne and 7 p.m. at when, excuse me, Monday night here in the United States. Hey, we're here to talk a little bit about round four and what we're going to be seeing during round five coming up here in the gather round, which I think is uh, going to be absolutely awesome to see. And I know not everybody's thrilled about uh, all the clubs going to South Australia, but uh, I think it is going to be a a really, really interesting time. Looks like we got somebody who has hopped into the uh, into the room there, and uh, I don't recognize the letter combination there. It looks like one of those uh, fancy passwords right there. Uh, but uh, if you're somebody who's interested in coming on the uh, the show, go ahead and uh, click on that button, and I will invite you up here. But we're going to talk about uh, a little bit about each of the nine games that uh, took place this week. Uh, a couple of the big stories, of course, as well. Um, some heartwarming things, some things that, uh, quite frankly, yeah, I just am very uh, sad to see happen. And, and I think we need to start off with that one right there. And that's going to be something that was as innocuous as it was uh, the injury to Patty McCartan. And I'm not a doctor. I don't play one on TV. In fact, I don't even watch very many television shows that have doctors in them unless it happens to be an episode of MASH uh, or Quincy. But uh, you hate to see what happened to Patty McCartan this week because it was it was not a, a huge knock. It was not a major collision between he and another player. He happened to, you know, hit the ground and he kind of... Uh, you know, tripped over himself a little bit, and it led to a concussion. And unfortunately, this young man has had so many concussions in his lifetime that one has to wonder, is he going to be able to continue? And again, I'm not speculating that he should. I'm not speculating that he should not, because it's not certainly not my place to say that. But it's just a really, really sad situation and I know he had had another one last year after he'd come back after having been gone for a couple of years but it was phenomenal to see him back out there and I just I I hope I pray for him that he's okay uh but it's just uh it is just a uh really really tough situation and you know that game was just full of so much emotion because if you're watching it on television you know you may not have picked up on it in the stadium again, and you know, unless you, I guess, are sitting on the opposite side of the ground uh, from the, uh, the the players' uh, bench and the interchange, where you might be able to see those. Things. But if you're on the same side of the ground where the interchange happens to be, you may not be able to see what's going on there. And again, having never been to a game, I don't know what gets reported inside the SCG or any other stadium, for that matter, in terms of any sort of uh, injury and that type of thing. I would imagine that when a player comes on as a, uh, a, a situational substitute or previously one of the uh, many subs, uh, I would assume that that gets announced by the public address announcers at the stadium. But that's not something I can recall ever hearing during the course of a, uh, a game on television. 
But if you didn't see what happened, it was not a massive hit that you go, oh, that looks like that is going to be a concussion. He fell on the ground. And, you know, you have to wonder, is it something that has just built, you know, upon over time that, that this is going to lead, you know, that it gets more easy, easy to have this happen? Again, I don't know. Um, I don't believe I've ever had a concussion in my lifetime. Um, I was on the football team when I was in high school, but I was terrible. I was terrible. And I, you, know, you may have heard me say this in a previous episode, but in junior high school, which would have been grade seven and eight, I was in the high school or the junior high band. I played the baritone, not well, but I was actually a better baritone player than I was a football player. But when you get to high school, they tell you, well, you can either be in the band or you can be on the football team. I should have stayed in the band because I was a terrible football player. And the thing is, I, I told my kids the truth about that. I told my son, who was a pretty good baseball player when he was in school, um, I told him I was a terrible football player. That I was, uh, for those of you listening in the United States, the depth chart thing might, uh, you know, in terms of like, you know, whether you're playing in the ones or the twos, that sort of thing. I was so far down on the depth chart on our football team, I needed scuba gear. I was terrible. I was god awful. Um, but it's it it is what it is, you know. But uh, yeah, I I don't re- recall ever having had a head knock like that that left me feeling woozy or anything like that. Now some people may have been saying that I've been suffering from you know something like that for years with my you know, goofy personality, but I, I that's not the case. And I don't mean to make light of concussions because I don't think that's that I probably shouldn't have said that, but. You know, while we saw, you know, the heartbreak of McCartan's injury, we saw also something extraordinarily uplifting, which we'll get into in a moment. But, you know, this this game had, you know, events that were unlike, you know, anything I've ever seen in a in a football game in, in the AFL before. But I'd seen events that were memorable. At the SCG, we saw, I think it was round two last year, where Buddy kicked his 1,000th goal. And and let's be honest, Buddy really has not uh, assimilated into the, the offensive structure very much at this point in time. I think he had, what, four disposals and kicked a behind this past week, or maybe kicked a goal, but did not, have, did not see a lot of the football. Um, but again, I think that had a little to do with, uh, you know, Port Adelaide trying to prevent them from you know, being successful anyway. But has there ever been a moment like the end of that game? I mean, I'm sure it's happened in other places, but that's the first time I recall seeing that where you basically had both clubs celebrating and the fan base of the home side celebrating only to be crestfallen within just a few seconds after that. But that was just, it was a phenomenal piece of imagery there you know, where Ollie Florent goes back to take that kick and he just had, you know, one more drink of water out of the water bottle or one extra, you know, bite of scrambled eggs before the game to give him just a little bit more protein in his system or or whatever it would have been uh, to help him kick that ball just a little bit further. We might be talking about a a four-point swing in the Swans' favor there, but just to see him kick the ball and see his his teammates, you know, begin to surround him because the ball was on a line. It, you could not have shot it out of a, out of a cannon any more accurately. It just didn't, it had just 
not enough oomph to get it over the line. And, you know, seeing Alir Alir, and I, if I'm not mistaken, Charlie Dixon was back there as well, ready to try to prevent that ball from crossing the goal line. And that was just a phenomenal play on Alir Alir's part as well to keep that ball from going through the goal. But, but just seeing the crowd rise to their feet. And unfortunately, they had that one camera angle where whoever's in front of the camera, and I think that maybe you should get uh, maybe a couple wooden blocks and have the cameraman stand just a little bit taller in that situation. Or, or is the cameraman allowed to actually lean forward and tell the, the person in the crowd, hey, uh, this is going to be an important shot here. So maybe you could go ahead and just like put your hand straight out instead of straight up uh, and, and blocking that. Uh, but it, it was just a phenomenal scene there. And. It, I'm going to jump ahead, actually, to the to the heartwarming part of it as well, because, you know, you look at that game and you see what happened at the end. And, uh, you know, I just I can't be any more thrilled for Jeremy Finlayson and just the. The emotion that came out of him after the game and, you know giving a shout out to his, to his wife and, you know, how much he loves her and, and they love one another. And it's just, it's, uh, it's just absolutely phenomenal. Um, and, and I'll, I'll be honest, I don't know. And I, I would think that the league does it, but I, I don't recall it, but is there like a, uh, um, you know, the NFL has, for example, like what's called a Walter Payton Award, where they, it's like, you know, the, the, the person who's like the most courageous player in the game. Um, you know, they also have awards where they give out, uh, you know, like for, for, for players in the NFL who do the most for the community, that type of thing. But uh, there's like this, you know, I think it's the Walter Payton Award where they give it out to the, to the athlete who ha- like overcomes the most stuff, if you will, during the course of a year. Can we just go ahead? If there is not an a uh, an AFL award that does that, and I think that there is, and it just it just isn't dawning on me, and I did not look it up before I went live here a little while ago. Um, but can we go ahead and just award that to Kelly Kelly and Jeremy Finlayson right now? Can we not just uh, award that to them at this moment in time, and can it maybe not? You know, can we maybe have it going forward? Can it be the Finlayson Award? Because I, I can't think of anything more courageous than than this husband and wife pair who, you know, have to deal with what they're dealing with. And he is still going off to to work out of state to do his job. And it just I, I'm just I'm in awe of these two young people. And I, ju- and I, I wish them the absolute best. And I think that could that be the Finlayson award? There you go, Gil, you're looking for something to have some sort of a legacy. I know that the, the gather round is supposedly going to be your swan song and we're going to hear who your replacement is at the end of this week. And that type of thing, you know, maybe the fourth umpire could be your uh, fourth field umpire could be your legacy, but could something like this be your legacy? Could we have this type of an award? Um, that's given out for, for a, uh, an athlete who has done something courageous, who has overcome a great deal. Okay. Uh, I just, I'm just in awe of, of what the two of them are dealing with. And I'm, I'm, I'm beyond impressed. Okay. Now 
Let's go back and talk about some of the other games. Um, you know, we're going to kind of go through in order uh, that they occurred. Um, you know, the Magpies, I tipped the Magpies. I had a better week this week uh, tipping games. I think I got seven out of nine. Um, I went three and six the week before, and I think two and seven the week before that. It's almost like I'd never seen the game before. Uh, but their Ruck uh, stocks, as we know, tremendously decimated. Uh, and they, they I, I thought, you know what, they're going to have to get in there and just become a little bit more grubby in terms of getting the uh, the clearances that they needed. But it didn't quite work out for them. You know, uh, Brisbane had 46 clearances to 37 for, for Collingwood. Uh, but the, the the thing is that, you know, that, that Collingwood only scored a goal one, basically one out of every five times that they went into the inside 50, whereas Brisbane did it one out of every three times. And I, I just impressed with uh, the small forwards at, at bringing Cam Rainer, Cam Rainer up forward. I think great move. Um, should he stay there? I think so. Uh, because I'll be honest, I, as great a leaper as Joe Danaher is, I, I, and as much potential as Eric Hipwood has, I, I, as far as clubs who are kind of tipped to be top four, top eight sides, you know, I got to think that, that, that Brisbane probably has the most worrisome pair of key forwards. I think, you know, if you're looking at a, uh, if you're looking at, well, I guess you could put Collingwood there technically as well. Um, yeah, Cause Collingwood really doesn't have, you know, a, a pairing that, that, that'll go off and be very consistent. You know, Brody Majek, of course, but he's doing so many other things on the ground as well. Um, but, you know, Charlie Cameron and Cam Rayner together is just an awesome pairing. Um, you know, I, I just I just wonder how consistent Danaher and Hipwood can be. And again, you know, Hipwood is still coming back, you know, off of his ACL from the pre, you know, from 2021. You know, he came back partway through last year, but again, he's still less than a full year recovered from that, if I'm not mistaken. So it's going to take him a little bit of time before he is really, you know, comfortable, I think, with himself. But this is a club that, you know, has got a fantastic midfield, got a very, very good ruck. I mean, you know, McInerney, Dunkley, Neal combined for 25 clearances. I think McInerney had 10 of those himself. Um, you know, this was a great bounce back game for the Lions because they, they really needed this one, especially at home. Um, you know, the Pies, uh, I think they're going to be fine, but they're going to kind of be treading water a little bit right now until their ruck position gets, uh, you know, reconstituted a little bit. And of course, you know, they've got, uh, what might be the game of the round in the gather in the gather round. And I, and I wonder, and this is something I'm going to talk about with Mick on uh, Thursday, but there's going to be five games this weekend played at the Adelaide oval. I mean, that's even more than gets played at the MCG during the course of, of a single week. And I really wonder what kind of shape is the turf going to be in? What kind of shape is the grass going to be in by the time that fifth game rolls around? I mean, if I'm going to be, you know, you've got, you know, the, the Crows and Blues playing there first, and then the Tigers and the, the Swans, um, Essendon, Melbourne, Port and the Bulldogs, and then the Cats and the Eagles playing there. And then the last game, 
there is, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. I'm sorry, there's six games there this weekend. I miscounted. The sixth game out of the nine being Collingwood and St. Kilda. That grass is going to take an absolute beating over those four days. It's going to be, I mean, that's, yeah, those people who are in charge of maintaining the surface, you are definitely going to be earning your money this weekend. You're definitely going to be earning your money. So I, I, I can't be, I can't think that I'd be really thrilled if I'm, if I'm uh, Collingwood and I'm St. Kilda that I'm playing the sixth game in four days over there. I mean, that stuff's going to be, and let's just hope that they don't get any kind of rain that will make it even a little bit messier. Now we move on to the North Melbourne and uh, Blues game. And this turned out to be a pretty competitive game. You know, the the Brews did fight back in this one. And I guess, you know, I do need to go back to Collingwood real quickly. You can't can't get past, you know, Nick Dacos again. You know, 38 disposals, two goals, two behinds, four inside 55 clearances. Only two tackles. So if you want a flaw, there's your flaw. You only had two tackles. Okay. Um, you know, it's it's just just phenomenal how well that youngster is playing, and he's just so much fun to watch. You know, even even if he's beating your team, like happened with the Cats back in round one, you, you still can't just go, holy mackerel, that young man is a lot of fun to watch play football. So North actually went into halftime with a two-point lead against Carlton. And they kind of uh, fell off a cliff in the third quarter, but did fight back in the fourth. Of course, at that point in time, it was out of reach. Um, Carlton exploded for six goals, one in the third, uh, five goals, four in the fourth quarter. So they built on their lead. Um, They scored 71 out of their 107 points in the second half. Now, I'm just amazed and I'm impressed by the young talent that so many of these sides have. Okay. Um, you know, you look at, uh, Harry Sheasel, you know, 37 disposals, three clearances, five marks, three tackles. I mean, does, does anybody miss Jason Horn Francis? If you're a Ruse supporter, does anybody miss him? Is anybody thinking, gosh, what might've been with that young man? Or are you just thinking, you know what? We got a year out of him. We shipped him out. We brought in, you know, a couple of other younger players, and we re- we helped to replenish our our closet of athletes even more so than we would have previously done. And again, nothing against you, Jason Horn Francis, but I, I think that the Ruse are probably pretty happy with the way things worked out for them. But again, you know, he's phenomenal. I mean, he's just an absolute joy to watch. And it, and and the thing is, is that I'm sitting here realizing I'm going to be watching these guys into my old age. God, is that going to be a lot of fun? That is going to be so much fun watching them. It's going to be like that, uh, the uh, the meme with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio where he's sitting on the couch in like the yellow turtleneck, holding the beer and like pointing at the television, like, "Oh, I've seen this one before." I'm going to be able to say, "Yep, I was watching him when he first started out." Uh, you know, Mackay and Kernow combined for ten goals uh, for the Blues. Yeah, just again, another phenomenal performance on their part. Cripps with nine clearances to go, 29 disposals. Uh, Zach Fisher was the only other blue that had five clearances or more, though. You know, six goals one, six goals to one in the third quarter for the Blues. Um, but the Ruth did uh, put a few more points back on the board, um, scoring basically the equivalent of six goals in the fourth quarter. Now, Sam Walsh is supposed to be back soon. 
Um, you know, Carlton might be ready to take another leap forward with him being back in the lineup. You know, I, I did love the, the ruse jumpers. I thought those were very, very sharp. And again, this gets me back to my whole, um, thing that I've asked, that I've asked to people where I've said, you know, if I'm here in the United States and I'm trying to promote the game and I'm trying to get people interested in it, yes, I'm a cat supporter, but if I'm out, you know, I have a teacher that lives across that lives across the hall. Might as well as much as we're at work. Teaches across the hall from me who buys lots and lots of like polo shirts from all sorts of different like baseball, uh, football, colleges, that sort of thing. And that's what he wears to school most of the time. He's not a he's not a supporter or a fan of those schools. It's just that the price was right, and it's just it's just you know kind of his style. So I mean, I've asked. I said, you know, if I'm a cat supporter. And if I had a, you know, a, a, uh, a polo shirt from another club, like the, the, the Tracy village Razorbacks were kind enough to, to share a, a, uh, a polo shirt with me several weeks ago. Uh, Peter Laus just mentioned to me today that he dropped in, uh, in the mail, a polo shirt from one of the clubs up in nor- the Northern territories as well. I mean, I, and again, I, uh, these have been things that people have out of the, the kindness of their heart have said they wanted to do that. So I'm, I, I'm I'm so grateful to them, and I I'm going to wear those with pride to promote this game because it gets people looking at these and going, "What's that shirt from?" Because then I can talk to them about it, and then I can you know I can bring it up. So I I cannot thank you know the folks uh, you know, Tracy Village enough for for sharing and for for Peter for sharing as well. You know he made the trek up there, uh, and I believe it's actually the the Warwick Club if I'm not mistaken up there. Uh, but again, your ruse, I loved your jumpers. It kind of reminded me a little bit of the uh, Seattle Seahawks uh, color scheme with that little bit of green mixed in there. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm bullish on the ruse. I think the ruse are, you know, they're maybe a fringe top eight side this year. Cause I think, yeah, looking at things now, as we're going to talk about here, you know, there, there were, you know, of course I didn't have Collingwood in my top eight this year. And I think that's going to be some crow. Sorry, Adelaide that I am going to have to, to eat for that. I think I probably am going to end up having gotten that one wrong. Um, but I didn't have Fremantle in the eight. And I did have Gold Coast there. And I had Richmond there. And we're going to talk about Richmond here in just a moment. And, I, and I'm really concerned with what's going to happen with them, with the injuries that they have. You know, are, they, are they on the path of getting old right in front of us? Kind of like what's happened to the Eagles. Of course, the Eagles have had a lot of injuries as well. And of course, now so do the uh, the Tigers. Um, but you know, again, I was a little concerned about which Fremantle squad we were going to see this weekend. Again, you know, they they went out and just jumped all over a wounded Eagles squad. And I applaud the Eagles for going out there and fighting as hard as they did. But they were, you know, the the old the old adage here um, was that they were like they were the Eagles were kind of like a one legged man in a butt kicking contest. Okay, the the Eagles were just in. They did not have the firepower to compete last week against Fremantle after all of those injuries, and and as we saw this week, they did not have it again. You know, having dropped down basically to a two to one margin to the D's. Um, but I was worried about what we were going to see from Fremantle. Were we going to see the the club that played finals this year, or were we going to see the one that that simply had the ability to beat up on? a lesser club at this point in time in terms of the, the available players. That's I'm not saying a lesser club in, in an overall kind of thing, but just in terms of the people who were available to play for them. 
you know, I, I really, really wonder. I see, you know, the, the, uh, the Dockers have some talent. But again, this is a club that has still scuffled trying to score goals. The Crows had eight players with more than 20 disposals. You know, Tex Walker had four goals. Rankin and Rochelle each you know, had a, a few goals themselves. And, and I'll tell you what, you talk about, and this is why I love this game. You talk about just a pairing of young athletes that are just going to be so much fun to watch over the next eight to 10 years. I mean, how awesome, you know, we're starting to see, you know, Riley Thilthorpe beginning to, to find his way into the side. He had one goal this past week uh, after the four or five he had the previous week. But to see him beginning to emerge and just seeing Rochelle and Rankin come together and just, if you're a Crows supporter, you've got to be thinking, okay, I like what I'm seeing here. I did a survey on uh, Twitter last week, and I asked a question, and I mentioned it to Mick uh, during last the last episode I did with him. I said, you know, which club plays finals first, the Adelaide Crows or the Port Adelaide Power? And it was a three-to-one margin that people voted for Adelaide. And that was before the, the defeat of uh, Fremantle this week. Um, but, you know, this Crows side is uh, is an awful lot of fun to watch play. You know, they've they've – they do things the right way. I think Matthew Nix has finally got this club going in the right direction. And this, this, this may be, okay, this may be the club that, that we thought that a lot of us thought that Gold Coast might have been this year. So maybe when I put Gold Coast into the eight, maybe I should have been thinking, no, 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 no. It's going to actually be, uh, it's actually going to be Adelaide that gets there. Um, you know, so, and again, I, and I, I, we've only played four games. Okay. Don't get me wrong. There are still 19 games yet to play this year. So, so good things can happen to clubs and bad things can happen to clubs. There, this, there's nothing definitive. There's, nobody has made finals at this point in time. Okay? Nobody has made finals right now. Okay? Um, so it is just, it's a, uh, it is a, uh, it's a wide open field, but gosh, they are fun to watch. Okay? Um, now had a lot of ugly weather at the MCG, uh, with Richmond and the Bulldogs. See Richmond, had you played at Marvel, it would have been dry. Um, couple of huge injuries though. Of course, you know, uh, Jack Rewalt did not play this game. He was being rested. Um, you know, Tom Lynch was, you know, got reported for some contact. Turns out he has broken his foot. Um, Toby Dan Curvis has a planter, I think it's what they say, planter, fasciitis injury, something again with his foot, a bone in his foot, where both of them might be out well past midseason. Um, do the and again, Tigers fans, you're gonna have to let me know this. Um, you can certainly comment on this when I post the episode, or you can you know drop me a note over at my uh, website at yankonthefooty.com. I'd love to hear from you or on any of my socials as well. But are you gonna be able to put together a a squad that's going to help you stay competitive without arguably one of the top key forwards in the game and, and a phenomenal ruck as well. Um, are you going to be able to hang in the eight? You know, the Bulldogs, you know, they, they got 61% of the clearances and they had 25% more inside fifties than the, than the, uh, the Tigers did, you know, I, uh, 
it, had they been a little bit more efficient around goal, they would have been uh, the margin would have been wider than five points. I mean, this was less than a goal victory. Okay, so this was not this was a close game, but I think that this could have been an even wider margin had had the Bulldogs been a little bit more accurate. And now I I wonder, and and I've heard some other people mention this, and uh, is this the year that uh, Tim English becomes an All Australian ruckman? Is this the year? I think it could be. I really think it could be. Uh, you know, gone. Again, I don't know how long he's going to be out, but but again, by reputation, sure, maybe he could he, he could find his way there. You know, Brody Grundy maybe stepping up and doing the kind of job that's going to maybe earn him that again. You know, Nick Nat's not playing as of yet. Um, is Jared Witt going to get enough recognition in the Gold Coast? Maybe Riley O'Brien going to get enough recognition. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know who's gonna who's gonna have that that spot on the all Australian side there. Um, you know, the Bulldogs are waiting on uh, Cody Waitman to come back and, and he's kind of like the little spark plug that just makes that forward line even better. And I think it's going to help to benefit their talls once he gets there. But again, they've still got an extraordinary, even though they're two and two, their percentage is very low. So they're going to need to, when they get into some, some tougher games or some games against some lesser opponents, I should say, they're going to really need to stack on the points against those sides. So when they're playing, a, a club like the Eagles, if the Eagles are not healthy by the time they play them, or if they're playing a uh, a, uh, a Hawthorne, who again, you know, Hawthorne's got some talent there. Again, don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm I'm not denigrating Hawthorne, even though people tell me I should do that. Um, but the Bulldogs are going to need to find a spot where they can actually stack points on the on the ladder for themselves. Now, you know, you look at the next game from the weekend and you know we're heading back to to Marvel again um for St. Kilda and Gold Coast and and I just got to tell you folks yeah I I'm I'm going to wear it and I and I I still think it could happen but as as disappointed as some people are about the Suns performance this far and again yes they beat the defending premier so they should be pretty happy about that but still at this point in time only a single win. Okay. Only one win at this point in time. I mean, they've dropped now all the way down to 17th on the ladder. That one win being against the cats and the cats jumped up to 13th and, you know, put, you know, we'll talk about it. They're up, their percentage is up to around 110 right now, which is higher than one, two, three, four, five, six, the six clubs right above them. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed in what's happening with the Suns in terms of their performance thus far. I thought they were gonna, they were turning the corner this year, but while that's happening, and you know, I, I I never really hear many people sledge on St. Kilda, and I don't know if that has to do with the fact that they've only won one premiership. That people, I don't know if it's they feel sorry for them, or that they just it just doesn't register with them. That oh yeah yeah St. Kilda's in the comp too. But as, as bad as some people feel about the, the Suns' performance right now, you can't help but feel absolutely awesome about what's happening with St. Kilda, okay? And, and the fact that they are so banged up right now and that yet they are still out there at 4-0. They are still sitting at the top of the ladder. They've got a percentage that is just, you know, 
head and shoulders above anybody else's, you know, over 10 percentage points above the D's who were the number three spot who got to pad their percentage against the Eagles this past week. Uh, I just, I cannot be more excited for St. Kilda supporters than I am. Okay. Uh, And again, as I've said in other episodes, St. Kilda supporters, I get it. If you go and study the history of the Cleveland Browns, uh, especially post-1964, which was the last time they won a championship. Okay, they won a lot of championships in the 1940s and the 1950s. The last time they won one was in 1964, and it's been a bit of a drought, as in 59 years. Actually, 56 years, because there were three years where they were gone. We didn't have a team. We got them back, though. Uh, So, trust me, same supporters, uh, to to quote a, a former... United States President Jimmy Carter. No, actually, I think it might have been Bill Clinton, quite frankly. There's one of the two of them. It's late at night. Uh, I feel your pain. I think it was Bill Clinton, as a matter of fact. Because uh, Jimmy Carter told everybody to put on a sweater since their houses were cold. Um, but, uh, you know, listening to uh, to to Buckley and, and Brownie and uh, Gary Lyons on on the couch tonight, you know, they talked about the tough decisions that these two clubs had to make this year, that the saints made the tough decision. And it's one I've been critical with the saints about, you know, having, you know, let Brett Ratton go after just having signed him to a contract, which they then don't have to honor that entire contract. I just, I, that part right there, still boggles my mind. Um, but they, they saw an opportunity when Ross Lyon had said, you know what, I think I'm ready to get back into coaching. And they took that opportunity. And yet they have been absolutely decimated by injury. But Ross Lyon has that club playing out of their ever-loving minds right now. And it's just, it is fun to watch. Okay, and I, I did not have the, the Saints playing finals. I think I had them maybe 11th or so on the ladder. Um, and again, they may not make finals, but they might finish as a minor premier also the way they're playing. Who knows? Because they're just going to keep getting better this year. But they talked about how the Saints made that tough decision. And they, they, they didn't really get into Essendon, but Essendon kind of dilly-dallied on their decision. But then the Suns chose not to make that decision because there was a lot of speculation on whether or not Stuart Dew was going to be back. And there was discussion. I, I remember talking about it during an episode where I, uh, um, I was sh- I was shopping for real estate for Clarko along the Gold Coast. Yeah, you know, I, I went onto like a real estate site and found houses that were for sale and looked at them. And I think I talked about them in an episode. Well, that'd be a nice one for him to live in. It's not too far from the stadium. Um, but they decided to stay with Stuart Dew. And again, I don't have anything against Stuart Dew, but I wonder if the Suns leadership group in the front office is thinking to themselves, wow, we might've been able to have an Alistair Clarkson. Maybe Clarko likes our list better and thinks we're, you know, maybe in a position where we could compete. I don't know. That didn't get to come up though. And, and again, I don't know if this means that, that, uh, that Stuart Dew is, is in trouble for next year at the end of 2023. And, and all of you know much, much more about 
people who are assistant coaches with the clubs than I do. Okay. You know, infinitely more than I do. So I'm not going to even, you know, I'm not even going to speculate if, if he was to go, who would take his place? I, I, I'm not even going to, you know, think about that sort of thing. Cause I don't have a clue. Um, but it was just, uh, The Suns have just not put it together as, as much as we had hoped. Again, you know, we thought, you know, having King back and Casbold and Chol back, and, they, and they've kind of struggled still scoring goals. They've got a phenomenal midfield. They've got a phenomenal midfield with Weller and Raul and Miller and Anderson. It, it's a great midfield. They've got a great ruck when he plays yet another late scratch on my fantasy team, and I lost another game by a point total that would have been eclipsed by him being in the lineup. No, I did not have an emergency ruck because I needed to go get somebody else because everybody else on my team is friggin' hurt right now. So I'm 0-4, yet uh, there are about, I think, six teams that have a lower percentage than I do. I just keep running into teams that have fantastic weekends. Uh, kind of feeling like Kevin Bacon at the uh, beginning of the movie Animal House. Thank you, sir. May I have another? Yeah. So, um, you know, back to the game, though. You know, the Saints had 13 players, 13 players with at least 21 disposals. Talk about moving the football around the ground. I mean, absolutely wild. Um, you know, the Suns won the hitout count by nine, 46 37, even without Jared Witt playing. Um, yeah. Are, are you impressed by Mitch Owens? And this goes back to me talking about, you know, uh, you know Will Day and Ashcroft and uh, Harris Sheasel and just, you know, Mitch Owens, what, 27 to. This is a great line here. 27 disposals, five marks, five tackles, two goals, two goals, two behinds, five hitouts of his own as well. I mean, I just am so impressed by seeing these youngsters growing up right in front of us. And I and I cannot okay. I guess I can wait because every year that's gonna go by, I'm gonna be getting a little older because sixties uh coming up here in oh, about two months, give or take a few days. So um, well, I'm excited. I'm excited about being 60 because my grandfather passed away at, at uh, 69. My my father at 59. I'm I can't wait to be 60 so I can tell my dad, beat you. But uh, I'm just I I'm I guess I'm not in a hurry to watch these guys become veterans yet. I'm going to enjoy watching them uh, them play um, as as the youngsters that they are. Now we talked a little bit about the uh, the the Port and Swans game already. I'm not going to go back into that one too much. It just it was a great game. Um, just absolutely love the emotion uh, that took place there. You know, great uh, great performance by Essen and again, who are now what three and one on the ladder, I believe, at this point in time. Just an, a, an outstanding start for them with uh, with Brad Scott leading the way. Um, you know, Darcy Parrish, a very quiet 30 disposals, uh, seven clearances, eight inside fifties, um, Dylan Shield, 28 disposals, Zach Merritt, 28, but, you know, you get down there to Jake Stringer, Jake Stringer, 15 disposals, 15 disposals. And of those 15 disposals, he scored points on 10 of them, six behinds and four goals, including that barrel from what seemed like 127 yards. Okay. I know. It was about 55 meters, but still, welcome back, Jake Stringer. Yeah, this young man, and I, I did see an article that was on Code Sports that was talking about how he was really struggling to get around. Um, and I know a lot of people tend to, you know, 
sledge on on Jake Stringer, you know, accusing, you know, what are his issues regarding fitness and that sort of thing. Well, I'm just going to say right now, any player in the in the AFL is, is going to be in infinitely better shape than I have ever been in my life. So you'll never hear me, you know, being serious about, you know, challenging somebody's fitness level because their fitness level is significantly higher than mine. But I'm glad he's out there because this becomes an even better side when he's out there because he is just an absolute gun out there when it comes to putting the ball between the sticks or getting the goal, the ball near the sticks anyway. But 10 out of his 15 disposals score points for the side. Um, you know, Sam Draper, you know, another, you know, another goal and 24 disposals, you know, great game for him. Um, you know, you look over at the, uh, at the Giants, you know, Nick Haynes, 17 marks on the day, 17 marks. Um, you know, just a, a you know, Tom Green was the only player, I believe over 30 disposals. He had 34. Um, but again, you know, the, the, the Giants moved the ball well too. They had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten 10, players over 22 disposals. Um, Toby Green had a kind of a quiet two goals too. Um, he had six inside 50, so he put the you know, put the ball to the sticks when he got it there. Uh, but just the Giants are a bit of an enigma because I I just yeah you know, are they as are they uh, you know as poor a side as some people may be thinking? Yeah, I I don't. I mean they they improved a tremendous amount even though they lost a lot of athletes this year. Um, and again, they've tumbled all the way down to number 15 on the ladder. I mean, at this point in time, if you look at the ladder, I mean, there are one, two, three. Well, there's only three of the teams that are ninth through 18th that I had tipped to be in the top eight right now. So five of the other eight are in there right now. I did not have North. I did not have Adelaide. And I did not have St. Kilda in my. I'd love to tell you that I did and say, look how smart I was. But. It wasn't the case. Um, yeah, so I, I'm I'm thrilled that Jake Stringer's back. He, he just makes watching that club even more fun. And, and once, you know, Anthony McDonald, Tipping Woody gets himself healthy and right out there again, that front line's going to be a lot of fun to watch with the two of them. And you get Peter right back out there again as well. I mean, this could be a great club uh, to watch here. And, and maybe they break that string. I'm not going to mention the days because I don't remember off the top of my head what it is, but if you're a bomber supporter, you know, it's been a long time. And if you're, if you're somebody who likes to sludge on the bombers, you know exactly how many days it's been. Okay. Now the D's and the cats did exactly what they needed to do this week. They played an opponent that they should be able to score a lot of points again. And they did that. Okay. They did that exact same thing. Now, Tim Kelly had a phenomenal day for the Eagles but they are just absolutely outmanned right now. Okay. They are absolutely outmanned. And this is not to say that these youngsters are not trying hard. It's just, they have not reached the level yet to where they're able to compete with a club that won the premiership just a couple of years ago in the D's. They're not there yet. Okay. Um, you know, Oliver and Petraka combined for 63 disposals and 13 clearances. You had nine D's that kicked goals. Uh, McDonald, Petraka and Fritz combined for 10 of those. McDonald had four and Petrock and Fritch each had three. Um, just a great performance from the D's, you know. Great job by uh, Brody Grundy to fill that role after, you know, having uh, lost Max gone. I think he's he's starting to find his legs and, and becoming a very good contributor in the ruck. And I think that's going to, in the long run, 
when Max Gone comes back, I think that's going to make this side even better because Grundy's been able to get that experience where he's had to kind of become the guy again because he kind of lost the, the opportunity to be the guy with Collingwood, which is why he's now wearing the red and blue. And, of course, then the Cats, you know, the last game of the weekend, and I, I watched all nine games, okay? I watched all nine games this weekend. Um, I did not stay up to watch the Cats game. I, I was up. This was a, it was at a one twenty a.m. on Monday morning for me, and I I, I was still up at uh, like eleven o'clock, and I, I laid down, set my alarm. No, it was about midnight. I set my alarm to go off at one o'clock, and I was going to get up and make a cup of coffee to sit down and watch the game. And I just my alarm went off. I woke up, and I was exhausted, and I was worried about just not appreciating seeing the game live if I was going to be scuffling trying to stay awake. So I went ahead and I made it, I made a command decision in my own head and said, okay, you know what, let's go ahead and uh, just hold off on watching it now. So I went, I my teeth headed up to bed and I slept. I went, I, again, I had gotten up at one o'clock to watch it. I'd slept for about an hour. I got up at five, let my dogs out, fed them about five fifteen. I turned the game on and I watched the game immediately at, well, an hour and a half or so after it had ended. Um, and just, again, great to see, you know, again, as a Cats supporter, great to see the Cats get a win. I'm absolutely stoked. Um, they've got the Eagles coming up this week. So the, uh, you know, the, the fixture creators, and again, they didn't, they didn't predict that the Eagles were going to have this many injuries, but this is me an opportunity again. I, I hope for the Cats to go ahead and add some percentage. And again, they've got to still go out and play the game. They've still got to go out and execute and kick goals. But this is an opportunity for them to do that sort of thing. And then, Week six, they actually get to come home and play a game at their own stadium. I know it's a novel concept, but they're going to get to play at home. I think they're still working on putting the finishing touches on the new stand. So, uh, but they'll at least get to play in front of a predominantly uh, Geelong crowd. Um, they've already played, you know, Collingwood and Hawthorne as home games at the FC at the MCG. Now they climbed up to thirteenth on the ladder. Uh, Mitch Duncan, absolutely awesome in his return. You know, I, I, they've had a lot of injuries. Okay, they have had a lot of injuries. Tom Hawkins looked as good as he's looked this year. He's moved slow up until this point. He had a very solid game. He got a lot of people involved. Tyson Stengel, Brad Close, both kicked a couple of goals. I had been critical of both of them last week. Uh, I'd been critical of Brian Myers as well, and Myers had actually had a little bit better game than I had given him credit for. Um, Dangerfield had 10 clicks with his 27 disposals. Duncan had 31 disposals when he comes back this week. 31 disposals, first game out. I think that, you know, if you were to rank the order, and, and, and it looks like Jed Buse will miss next week with a concussion as well. He got thumped pretty good. Um, but I, I, would, I would maybe make the argument in terms of the, the severity of the impact on, on the Cats. Injury-wise, you might have to put Mitch Duncan up there at the top. But then I think right behind him would be Jack Henry, because I, I still think that had Jack Henry not hurt his foot in that last practice game, we might not have seen Tom Hawkins in the first few rounds. We might have had an opportunity for Tom Hawkins to have a, a mini preseason, get himself healthy, and then get unleashed maybe this round, round four. And maybe they actually did that during the games and just put him out there and said, you know, that's Tom Hawkins. He's kicked, you know, six, seven hundred goals. You're going to have to account for him even though he may not be moving around terribly well. Okay. Um, you know, Jeremy Cameron, I, I, who's a better player in the comp right now? Okay. Maybe Petraka, 
maybe Bontepelli, maybe Clayton Oliver. But there aren't many more better, that are better than him. And it's unfortunate that, that, that players like him to play that position don't seem to get the kind of recognition when it comes to the Brownlow. Okay. Um, you know, and I know the umpires vote for it and, and there may be one less umpire voting for him and giving him points for that sort of thing after he, uh, de him at the end of the game. Um, certainly not malicious, but, uh, nonetheless, he did plant him on his ass. Uh, just great to see the cats get a win. Um, but there was a lot of good football this weekend. I saw a lot of good things from every single club, but there's, there are some things that are, are worrisome for a lot of clubs still. Okay. There are a lot of things to still be concerned about. You know, our, where's Fremantle going to you know get their scoring from? Okay. Um, are the Eagles going to be able to, to, to put forth a, a, a valiant effort against the sides they're playing against? Well, they have so many injuries. Is Richmond going to be able to keep their heads above water? I mean, they've tumbled all the way down to the 12th spot right now um, with, you know, six points and they're, you know, they're, you know, a win by another club, you know, the cats, you know, the cats could leapfrog them. The Dockers, the giants could theoretically leapfrog them. I guess anybody that's on the bottom part of the ladder could leapfrog them if they get a win. Um, you know, are the Suns going to finally make that move and actually rattle off a few wins in a row? Because this is a talented club. And again, and again, Every club that's playing in the AFL has a lot of talent on it. It just happens to be at different levels at this point in terms of the experience, in terms of, you know, the skill sets that they have at this point in time. Okay. Hawthorne has got a lot of talented young players on there. They just have, they just don't have the, the longevity in the game right now to go out and win on a consistent basis. And, you know, people can make the argument that the cats have too much longevity, that the Eagles have too much longevity that the Tigers have too much of that, that maybe they're going to need to start blooding some of those youngsters. And, and again, this is another year where the Eagles are kind of doing that by default because, you know, they're, they're looking at the list and going, nope, that person's not available. That person's okay. Um, and they got to go find somebody that can, that can put on a jumper and go out and play. So I'm, I'm very excited about the, uh, the gather round. I'll be you know, talking more about that a little bit later on this week when I sit down with Mick Aussie and go through our tips. Uh, I will have another episode coming out with you uh, here in the next day or so as well. Um, looking forward to sharing that with you. Somebody who's been involved in coaching at the uh, local level and a really, really fun story coming out of Adelaide. So I hope you enjoy that one. Now, folks, remember, you can find everything about my podcast over at my website, ayankofthefooty.com. I uh, did not have anybody that uh, stopped by the show. Somebody popped on for a second and then they disappeared. And um, I did put out a couple of hours ago. Uh, on my socials and uh, in emails, for everybody who's on my email list, that this was going to be happening. So maybe I should just make it a standard thing. Um, and, and again, this is the time of day that it actually works best for me because I'm at work, you know, trying to do it in the evening, um, Melbourne time. So that doesn't quite work out for me, even though I'm off this week. But uh, if you haven't checked it out yet, um, and you have friends who are NFL fans who maybe don't follow footy, especially if you're here in the United States. I did put a uh, blog post up on April the 5th over at my website. I, I, if you want to have buddies to come over and watch the game and talk about the game with you uh, and that sort of thing, 
I do invite you to check out that blog post and maybe share it with some of your friends who are NFL fans because I, I plead the case as to why I think the AFL is something that NFL fans would love, that NFL fans would love, that, it, that college football fans here in the United States would love um, because I, it's just got so many different components to those games that, that, that I think people would, would love if they just discovered it, okay? So again, over at my website, you can find that. You can find every episode that I put out um, and links to, I believe, 12 or 13 different uh, podcast apps that you can listen to the shows on. So if you, if you want to listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Amazon Music or Stitcher, and I listen to most of my podcasts on Stitcher. I have a premium subscription to Stitcher because there's a few shows on there that are only available on Stitcher Premium that I really, really enjoy. Um, talking to True Crime Garage and Off the Record. Okay, that that's the you are the main reason why I have that uh, that uh, extra subscription from from Stitcher. Uh, you can get on the mailing list so when new episodes come out, they'll be in your inbox as soon as they are released. Uh, if you love the podcast, I do hope you'll go over there and leave a review. It's a it's a huge help to the show. It gives me some legitimacy where I can then share that out on social media. Hopefully getting new uh, listeners to come in. If, if uh, other people are saying, hey, I like this content, I really like what's going on with it, I enjoy what's happening. Uh, if you want to help out the podcast and help to keep the lights on, you can certainly do that. You can click on the Buy Me a Coffee button. It's a little yellow button in the bottom left-hand corner, and there's a little white and yellow rectangle on the right-hand side. Uh, anything that comes in from that goes right back into helping to keep the podcast up and running. Uh, I'm... Uh, was absolutely having a blast doing it. I, I, I love being able to share my thoughts and I love hearing your thoughts. So please reach out to me on my socials as well. You can reach me by email at a yank on the footy at gmail.com on Twitter at yank underscore on on Instagram, a yank on the footy over on Facebook, a yank on the footy podcast, or you can search out my name on either Facebook or LinkedIn. Just look for Craig Wessels. I'm always looking to, you know, to meet up with new people and find uh, guests for the podcast. If you've got a great story to tell, um, or you know somebody who would be a great guest, please, please send them my direction. Okay, have them drop me a note. I've got several interviews that I'm trying to get lined up right now. I'm doing one. Uh, I've got one in the bank that's done. I've got a couple more to get scheduled. One I'm doing on Friday uh, that I'm looking forward to, and a couple I'm going to work on getting lined up as soon as I wrap this up. But ladies and gentlemen, I do want to thank you for giving, giving this one a listen. Uh, and again, this was done live. Um, I may have to make the transition to doing the uh, the live ones over on Zoom because I'm uh, getting a little uh, frustrated that I'm concerned that maybe the app is not working on your end as well, or maybe just nobody wanted to come on today. But I did see one person pop in, so maybe, it, maybe I need to give a little bit more than a couple of hours notice. So if I'm going to do one next Monday night at 7, I will, or 7 o'clock uh, my time, which would be Tuesday morning at 9, um, I will let people know about that ahead of time. So if you want to try to schedule that in your day, that'd be great. Look out for one another. Um, check on your friends. Make sure they're okay. To call them up. Tell them you love them. Okay. I saw a very sad post on social media. Max Blake, I am very, very sorry for your loss, sir. Um, it was heartbreaking to read that yesterday. Um, I, I, I can't, I can't fathom, you know, I'm, It, it, it's it's unfortunately it, it's a really really bad solution to a to a problem that is that is not you know not a permanent problem unfortunately and I I don't know if I've mentioned this I think I have on previous episodes you know that I 
I coached a, uh, a youth baseball team. And the last, the last year that I was coaching uh, was a team that my son played on. And it would have been when he was 13 years old. And there were 12 young men that played on that team. There were 12 young men that played on that team. My son is 26 years old. There were 12 young men who should be 26 that were on that team. Four of those young men are already gone. Four of them are gone. Two of them due to drugs. And two, unfortunately, took their own lives. And uh, missed them dearly. Just, just terrific, terrific young men. Um, every single one of them had spent a lot of time at my house. Um, they were just terrific young men, terrific families. And I, and I just, if you need to talk to somebody, please look in the show notes of, of my podcast. Every single episode has those important numbers in both Australia and the United States. Make that phone call, reach out to a friend. Okay. Tell them you need to talk. Okay. Find somebody to talk to. Find somebody. And please check up on your friends. Make sure they're okay. Okay. I, I just, it's, uh, I, I, I feel, I feel terrible, you know, reading about that. And it's just, it's, uh, it's heartbreaking. And, uh, I just, I, I don't know what to say other than that I, I am so terribly sorry and I and I offer my condolences, but please check up on your friends. And again, if you need help, reach out to somebody. Give them a call. Call one of those numbers. Call one of those numbers. You know, go knock on a neighbor's door if nothing else. If your if your friend is not by their phone, go talk to someone. Okay? Go talk to someone. Please. Ladies and gentlemen. I want to thank you for the kind words that you provide continually about the show. I, I cannot thank you enough. This, yeah, I, I wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for you and uh, you enjoying this. I mean, I, I love doing it, but if nobody was listening, I don't know if I would, would be doing it. And since I know that there are people that are listening, I'm going to continue to do it. And as I have mentioned previously, I think just last week, I did kind of allude to the fact that uh, there will be another podcast coming from, uh, Yours truly here in the very, very near future. Uh, I'm hoping to start the interviews for that very soon. Uh, and I'm going to have to put some resources together to get that up and running and get that out onto, uh, social, onto my socials as well um, and get a podcast host for that. I'm going to need to explore how that works because there, there's, you know, there's a cost involved with doing that as well. Um, but again, that, that one is not a sport. It's not directly sports related. Let's put it that way. But for those of you who did not listen to the live episode last week, uh, my plan is, and uh, the uh, this is kind of an idea I'm borrowing from Neil Butler, who does a, uh, a show in Australia called the Regional 250, which if you want to learn about sm the small towns and shires throughout Australia, I strongly encourage you to check out Neil Butler's show the regional 250. And if nothing else, quite frankly, I think Neil Butler could make an absolute fortune doing the uh, voice messages for people's phones and that type of thing. He has that kind of a dynamic, a dynamic voice. I could listen to Neil Butler reading the dictionary, quite frankly. He has that kind of a voice. I mean, it's, it's, it's that, you know, that's like the, uh, you know, the, the James Earl Jones. It's like the Morgan Freeman voice, that voice that you just hear and you just go, 
yeah, I could listen to that one all day long. I could listen to him reading the dictionary. Okay. But it's the regional 250. But his his idea for that show is something that I've kind of taken and I've tweaked it a little bit because what I'm what I'm looking at doing is uh is to begin to talk to grandparents of all ages. So you know, not grandparents that are in their 70s, 80s, or 90s exclusively or anything like that, but I'm sure I'm gonna be talking to them, but even young grandparents. Um also like the grandchildren. And I hope to get the opportunity again with parental supervision and that sort of thing to talk to grandchildren about the relationship that they have with their grandparents and what they've learned and what, you know, how, you know, grandparents and grandchildren can help to make one another's lives great and wonderful and awesome. So that's kind of where I'm going with this second podcast. Um, And I'm hoping to be able to do a number of those interviews this summer. Um, I'm hoping to be able to sit down and do, you know, reach out to some, some care facilities. I know some people who work at some of those and sit down and, and maybe do 20 to 25 interviews this summer to where I have six months of episodes up and running for that. Okay. So I'm looking forward to bringing that to you. This one's not going away. So I'm looking at doing a second one. And of course my wife thinks that I'm crazy for trying to do a second one, which is kind of funny because she thinks I'm crazy doing the first one. Uh, and, and quite frankly, those of you, I, I should mention, uh, we've not settled on a quarter of the game yet, uh, that we're going to watch I, a lot of great, uh, ideas and examples and such. I had thought, you know, maybe she should watch the little, what if a, what is AFL clip that had the rules and such on it gives kind of an overview. And she said, well, I don't need to know the rules. I don't want to know the rules. I'm only going to watch this one quarter and that's going to be it. So, oh, well, so I've not exactly pressed the issue as of this point in time, but maybe. Maybe she'll come to me and say, hey, wasn't I supposed to watch this? And then maybe we'll be able to, to watch both of those things at the same time then. So, ladies and gentlemen, again, check up on your friends. Thanks so very much. Share the episode with your friends and family. Get on the mailing list over to yankonthefooty.com. Leave a review. And until next time, this is Craig Wessels. May your dribble kick never hit the post. I will catch you later.